Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about Mars's ingress into the first decan of Gemini. Uh, we can say a little hallelujah for Mars leaving Taurus, its exile. So we will also be seeing some improvement with Mars's um, relationships or aspects to some of the other sort of difficult planets as well. So this may be the time to start to put the foot on the gas and, and get to work and get moving. So um, we will talk about Mars's condition today. We'll talk about Mars making uh, some conjoining, um, conjoining a few fixed stars, including Alcyon and the Pleiades and Mirfak. We're also going to talk about Mars's host Mercury a little bit. The Eight of Swords uh, coming from the tarot. And we will do an I Ching reading for you today. So I hope that you are all doing well out there. You survived Mars and Taurus. Congratulations. Uh, you know, there's some ups and downs with that placement for sure. Um, a little bit of a challenge to our stability. But now we're going to kind of be sharing ideas, you know, trying to go back and forth about things. There's a little bit more movement with this position. So let's take a look at the chart and see what we can see. All right. So we're looking at the time frame between March 3rd at 1029 p.m., which was yesterday. So, you know, like I said, I'm a, it takes me some time to wrap my head around these things sometimes. And we will be experiencing Mars moving through the first 10 degrees of Gemini until March the 21st at 1225 a.m. So Mars is out of its exile, but it will be in a position called uh, being peregrine for the first 10 degrees. Uh, this is kind of a, a condition of Mars where it's a wanderer. So it was said to like not necessarily have a home. It was like a traveler. So this is that we may have some challenges in the beginning of this Mars cycle, trying to figure out which direction that we want to head. And that that is echoed in some of the themes that come up with the Eight of Swords as well, maybe a paralysis by analysis. Um, we've got this explosion of options, um, many different directions that we could head now. And um, maybe a little bit of confusion, a little bit of, um, you know, feeling a little tied up with all of the, all of the different paths we could choose. Um, but we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. Eventually, the, the right path will, will reveal itself to you and we'll be able to move forward. So what we're looking at is uh, a host, Mercury. So if you look at one chart here, we are seeing that Mars is here in Gemini, and it's being hosted by Mercury in Aquarius. And today, as I, rec as I record this, Mercury is making a conjunction with Jupiter. So happy Mercury-Jupiter day as well. But now instead of Mars being, uh, it was in a contentious relationship with its host for a period of time while Venus was in Aquarius, uh, but now we have a um, Venus in Pisces, and we are going to be seeing uh, Mercury in a trine with Mars. So Mars will be in a trine with its host. So that is kind of a fortuitous relationship between those two planets that should lead to um, being able to move forward a little bit easier. The other thing that is happening here that is exciting is when Mars was in Taurus, we had a Mars-Saturn square 
um, with Mars in the overcoming position, which was kind of like putting the brakes on everything that we wanted to do and said, what is it that you really want? Um, is this really fit into the bigger picture of your life? Um, you know, how are you going to move forward under your, under your own power um, with a balanced equilibrium? And now we've probably spent a lot of time figuring out what resources are necessary to move forward, what kind of routines that we want to, to have as far, part of our daily practice. And now there's a, a trine relationship between Saturn and Mars now. So we may be able to take action on some of our, our plans and our bigger vision. So that's exciting as well. So we have this new trine relationship between Mars, Saturn, Jupiter, and Mercury for a time being. Now, Mercury will move into its exile and fall in the sign of Pisces um, on the 15th. So that is, we got kind of a nice little window here from March 3rd or 4th to March 15th to have kind of a, an ability to move forward under our own power before things maybe get a little bit stickier with Mercury going off into a, a, a little bit more challenging position and also coming into a square relationship with Mars. So this is a good time to kind of like take action while you can and um, see what happens. Uh, so speaking of squares, we do see now that Mars has moved into Gemini, that we will be experiencing squares between Mars and the sun and Mars and Venus and Mars and Neptune. So there is a relationship now by whole sign with these planets where we could feel some tension with the, the Venus and the sun ruled areas of our chart and potentially a little bit of, of tension between the Pisces house in our chart and the Gemini house. We did have a, a sextile between Mars and those planets for the last week or two, um, but now there might be something that brings up some challenges. But here's one thing to consider about Mars. Mars is a planet that kind of gets things rolling. It gets, it gets, uh, it's kind of the friction that helps move the um, the project forward. Or I like to say it's the rubber that meets the road. Uh, sometimes we need, you know, the tread on the tire to be able to grip the road and move us forward. And there's the tension there. If we had just smooth, smooth tires or smooth experiences all the time, we might just be spinning our wheels and we might not go anywhere. So sometimes the, the tension that we experience is going to move us into a new reality and help us to move forward with our life. Okay, um, eventually during this decanic cycle, we will see the sun move into Aries. So we will release some of that tension between the sun and Mars when the sun moves into Aries at the spring equinox around March 21st or so. Okay. Um, the face rulers for the first decan of Gemini are Jupiter and Mercury. So with Jupiter and Mercury being kind of these dual face rulers, this is, I think, where we get some of the significations of the explosion of options. Mercury is a planet that serves up doubt. It serves up questions. It serves up challenges and ambiguity. It serves up many different paths or skills that we could pursue. Uh, it brings educational opportunities. It brings opportunities for communication, for commerce, for translating between one realm and another. And um, 
you know, there's a lot of things that are unsettling about Mercury. So with Jupiter here, Jupiter is kind of the, the demiurge, right? It, it proliferates, it gives birth to these things. So a Jupiter face of a Mercury ruled sign could be one where we have a proliferation of options. And uh, with, with Mars here, this, uh, this could cause some stress in our life. This could accelerate all of those options coming to the fore. It could accelerate communications between us and others. Mars is a hot and dry planet, so it tends to um, speed things up, but also separate them. Dryness, you know, think of the earth when it dries out and it starts to crack. So we may become separated from some important communications, or we may feel separated from our sense of direction because we are weighing all these different options. And uh, some of our, our communications may get a little heated too. This is another thing to watch out for with Mars in a Mercury ruled sign is we may be, you know, having these conversations, but they could, they could get away from us a little quicker than we had anticipated just due to the speed of interaction between one another. So instead of like thinking through all of our, of our thoughts and all of the words that come out of our mouth, they could just erupt like a volcano out of our mouth and we may regret it later. So I think it's, it's a time frame to take extra care when you're communicating with one another. Um, you know, you can share your enthusiasm. That's something that comes up with our I Ching reading. Uh, but, but make sure that in doing so that you're not, you know, trampling other people along the way. You know, leave some time for listening as well. I think that's the key to, to fruitful communication is, you know, state your, state your case, say your piece, and then be open to receive. Be open to receive feedback. Be open to hear what the other person has to say without just waiting for your turn to talk. I think that's a lot of a lot of the challenges we have with communication in modern times is we, we just are trying to hold on to our thought so tightly that we're just waiting for our turn to, to speak. And then we're not really hearing the other person. And that's when we can really you know make some assumptions about what they think or what they say. And we can come to some misunderstandings. So uh, the, the possibility for misunderstandings could increase with this, with our, with our commerce and communications. Um, one of the things that I, you know, wanted to talk about with this is the, the Eight of Swords. Uh, the Eight of Swords in the, the Book of Toth is called Interference. Um, Austin Coppock calls it the Apple of Eden. Um, this is a card where we see depicted a blindfolded figure that is bound with uh, eight swords in the background. And I'm pulling it out here so you can see it. In the Rider Waite, you see a figure like on a, on a shore, bound with eight swords in the background, blindfolded with a castle in the background, turned away from that castle of fulfillment. Um, you know, this, this, this card uh, brings up some feelings of maybe imprisonment, feeling bound by circumstance, you know, Austin Coppock in his very good book, 36 Faces, talks about um, being pa paralyzed by multiple options and having too many directions that we could go in. You know, now that we are released from some of the blockages from the Saturn-Mars square, uh, we may see all these, these new things flooding in. And, and that may feel a little overwhelming at first when we're weighing all of the possibilities that we have now. Um, we can also think about the daimon 
Uh, and I found some correlations with the daimon of this Deccan, which was called Thetis, and this card. Now, I do have one question, and I don't think it's that big of a deal, but uh, the way that um, Thetis was spelled in the 36 heirs of the Zodiac fragment was T-H-E-T-U-S. But most of the mythological spellings I found for this daimon were T-H-E-T-I-S. And I'm hoping... Uh, by the grace of of the divine, that they are the same, <laughs> they're the same person that we're talking about, and I didn't miss out on on some esoteric uh, Thetis with a U, but Thetis with an I was the the leader of the Nereids, um, which were a group of fifty sea nymphs, um, and I wanted to read to you a little excerpt from this very good uh, website called uh, Theoi. Right, and it's theoi.com, t-h-e-o-i.com, t-h-e-o-i.com. Now I'm questioning everything that I'm spelling. Okay, but here is a quote about Thetis, and this will bring us back to some themes with the Eight of Swords. It says Thetis was a goddess of the sea and the leader of the fifty Nereids. Like many other sea gods, she possessed the gift of prophecy and the power to change her shape at will. It sounds very Gemini. Because of a prophecy that she was destined to bear a son greater than his father, Zeus had her marry a mortal man. Remember, Zeus is, is caught up in all those succession stories because he, of course, was one of the uh, people who usurped his own father, Saturn or Kronos, right? Um, says Peleus, chosen, the chosen groom was instructed to ambush her on the beach and not release his grasp of the struggling goddess as she more metamorphosized into a host of shapes. Okay, so here we have being bound, being captured, being feeling like we're we're you know not be able to move forward, and we have the metamorphosis of many shapes with the mutability of Gemini and air sign, right? So the mutability, the shape shifting quality where we may be trying on new imagined ideas, new imagined pathways. It says, the couple afterwards married in a ceremony attended by all of the gods of heaven. She bore a son, the celebrated hero, Achilles. All right. So eventually that tension was released and something very good came from this conflict, right? Uh, Achilles was a great hero that, uh, of course, is one of the heroes of the, the Iliad, one of Homer's great works. And um, so this is kind of a, a, an area of the Zodiac where we may be feeling bound by those circumstances. But a lot of the tarot, um, the tarot books that I have been reading, uh, preparing for this, and, and kind of just over the years getting an idea of the different cards, talks about, you know, the feeling of being bound is not necessarily uh, a physical one. It could be a mental binding, right? It could be that we're not actually um, completely trapped, that we have an out. I mean, this woman is surrounded by swords uh, and those bindings seem pretty loose and they look like they're not like, you know, I don't know if they're rope or cloth or something, but there's, there's an option. There's a, if she turned around and kind of, you know, wiggled her way to one of those swords, you might be able to cut the bindings. So this is one of those things where a lot of our uh, challenges that we have maybe just through our own 
mental construct through you know thoughts that may be limiting through uh narratives that may be holding us back or something like that so that's something to consider as we move forward through this this decanic time frame is really check in with your thoughts and and are the things that seem like limitations really limitations or are they just kind of thought constructs okay there is an, a really nice um affirmation that Benabel Wen does for each of these cards. And I wanted to read that for you. It says, my creativity releases, releases me from every hardship. My thoughts empower me, not limit me. All my problems have a solution. Okay. So that's a good thing to keep in mind as we move forward. Now, there are a couple um, fixed star placements. And if we stop our share for a second and we look at this guy, I want to show you what we're going to be looking at. Okay, let's go over and look at the sky. So here we have Starry Night Pro, and we are looking at the time frame around March 4th. And we are seeing uh, Mars right here. There's Mars. And Mars is going to be kind of moving around the third and the fourth. Okay, we can see if we move this forward here very close to an area of the zodiac that is very interesting. Here we have Alcyon. Okay, Alcyon is a part of the Pleiades. So this area right here, if we zoom way in, this is a really beautiful part of the sky. Uh, this was called, these were the seven sisters, the daughters of Atlas and Pleione, right? Pleiades, Pleione. Um, and Atlas, of course, was the, uh, the titan, that uh, had to bear the weight of the world on his shoulders. And there's some, some themes of these sisters, right? I believe we even have Atlas in here somewhere. Um, but we have all the, there's Atlas right there, okay? And it's this beautiful little collection of stars. It's also a nebula. So there are some associations with this star cluster with um, vision. Anything time we had a nebula, Nebulas were associated with blindness in the tradition. Um, this was called the Nebula of Tears. So one of the stories, there's multiple stories with this, uh, this area of the sky in many, many different traditions. But in one of the stories, we have, uh, we have one of the sisters, or the sisters being um, chased by Orion, and Zeus taking uh, pity on them and, and putting them into the star, stars as a constellation or into the sky as a constellation. We also have a theme of, of um, some family problems. So when, like the, when the sisters discovered that their father had been you know, given this fate to, to carry the weight of the world, they, in one of the myths, they got very depressed and committed suicide after learning of this fate. Um, and then they were put into the stars by by the deities. So um, there could be some challenges with family things that come up. Um, there could be some associations with your inner vision. I know that in a lot of magical workings with Bohemian, this Elcyon was one of the fifteen Bohemian fixed stars that they use in astrological magic, and there was you know associations with greater sight or intuition with that fixed star. So when we have something associated with outer blindness, sometimes 
you know, some of the greatest prophets and seers were blind. So if they were robbed with that external vision, they had to go into their mind to be able to see. So this may be something that we are experiencing with Mars here is, you know, a need for, for some inner vision to, to get us out of some kind of conflict. Um, when this is happening, this is happening, you know, roughly today and tomorrow, as I record this on the 4th, we are going to be seeing a last quarter moon square um, with the moon at 15 degrees of Sagittarius squaring the 15 degree Piscean sun. So there may be something that comes up that is some kind of existential crisis where we have to rely on our inner vision to get us through it. Maybe it has to do with something with the family. I know that I talked about in my Pisces 2 video that the sun's going to be going over a fixed star called a churner, which is really associated with crisis, with flood, fire, um, with the story of Phaethon, who, who through his hubris tried to drive the chariot of the sun before he was ready and was struck down by Zeus and, and drowned in the river, uh, the Eurydonis. So there may be some, some event that comes up that is potentially unexpected, that is challenging, that awakens us to, to some reality that we weren't aware of before. Um, and then as we move forward through that, we do see eventually that Mars is going to move over uh, the fixed star Mirfak. That's right here. There's Mirfak. And this is in the constellation Perseus. And Perseus was a great hero. He, he of course, has the head of Medusa with the fixed star Algol in his head here. He's got this, this shield of Athena. Um, and he is rescuing um, this maiden, Andromeda, who is about to be eaten by the sea monster, uh, Cetus. And Mirfak uh, can represent kind of this young, heroic warrior type of mentality. It also can be kind of rash actions, maybe some headstrong attitudes. Uh, there could be some associations with the enjoyment of conflict. You could be overestimating your power. But this is a, there's kind of a rash, kind of almost masculine externalization of action with this. So um, just be careful that if there is something that comes up in the next few days, that you take your time and that you don't take any rash actions in response. Um, it may require you to snap into action to, to become the hero. But, you know, there's always at least some time frame, I think, between figuring out what, what to do if something like that comes up and taking the action itself. I guess what I would say is try not to get too paralyzed by whatever may come up and try to try to think clearly about it. Um, one of the things that I like to do in my videos is do an I Ching reading. And this really, this, this Mirfak experience, this, um, you know, association with Mars and the Pleiades really does fit, I think, with this hexagram that I got. So I'm going to draw this hexagram on the screen for you. And what I got this week was the hexagram number 51. So 51, if you are not familiar with that one, is called shock. Okay. So what we have is two uh, three-line kind of, uh, you know, things coming together here. And each of those three lines, you know, there are different, um, oh, I don't know. I guess you could call them elements to an I Ching hexagram. And we have like these three line sections that 
roughly translate to things like mountains, uh, to wind, to earth. And these three lines roughly translate to thunder. So we have double thunder, thunder on top of thunder. So these are shocking events. This is also called the arousing. Uh, so we have 51, which uh, incidentally, um, the hexagram that comes after that is 52, which is stillness. So sometimes, you know, after we're, you know, woken up, then we are feeling either some relief or we have some patience about something and we have to kind of still ourselves after the initial event, right? And we're moving towards enthusiasm. So there is good news with all this. So um, Hillary Barrett, in her very good translation of the I Ching, uh, she asks, she asks questions for every hexagram and she asks, what must change? What will continue? Uh, you may be woken up by a shocking event like thunder. Uh, and these are some of my notes. This is not necessarily bad. This could be the shock of something good. And in many of the translations, um, they talk about that the shock that we experience is not necessarily a, a traumatic event. Sometimes the the real challenge is how we react to change. So I think shock could be just change. And it's some kind of eye-opener. It's something that stirs us. It rouses us, it rouses us to action. It's some kind of shake-up, something that is set in motion, a new beginning perhaps. And with every new beginning, we may feel a little bit uh, off balance. We may feel a little bit like, oh, man, even when it's a really good thing. Um, I know for me personally, I, I had some uh, – recently I, I – you know, released a webinar on the fixed stars. And you should check that out if you haven't seen it yet. But I got an influx of like new, new clients and that was really cool. And that's good. That's good fortune. Um, but the adjustment period of trying to figure out my very, <laughs> very succinct daily um, routine with an influx of new client work, you know, I, it, that's a shock of a new situation. And, and it was a shock of a good situation, but you kind of have to make adjustments, right? It's a wake-up call saying, okay, I have to I have to make an adjustment. And one of the adjustments that I ended up making after after a week that was that was um there was a lot that was a lot of work. I I, I put some more lead time to my reading. So if you do want to reach out for a reading with me, there is now a 72 hour <laughs> lead time instead of 48 hours to give me a little bit more time to prepare because I really do like to prepare for my readings. Um, very thoroughly, and I and I was able to prepare, but it was a it was it was very much a grind, and I want to make sure that every reading that I'm doing gets the proper amount of time and attention. Now, if you do have like a that being said, if you have a an immediate problem, I do make some exceptions. So if you if you really have a problem that just can't wait, send me an email, and I'd be happy to to work something out with you. Um, but anyway, let's get back to this hexagram. But that's just an example of the shock of something good that requires an adjustment. So line one, which is our changing line, I forgot to put my dot here. This is at the very base of this hexagram. So this is something fundamental. This is something foundational, maybe something material potentially. Uh, it says shock comes, fear and terror. Then afterwards, laughing words, shrieking and yelling, good fortune. So this, this speaks of some kind of unexpected event that may at first feel frightening. It, there may be all the feelings of like an adrenaline or, or fear or danger that, that arise when you experience this new event, um, but it'll pass. 
And once it does, you're, you're going to feel a great relief. It may be the, the shock of something that liberates you from something that was keeping you bound up, like, like this Eight of Swords card, right? I know for many of us, we've been feeling like we're being, we've been stuck for the last few months, for the last, few, last year or so here, and we may just start to see some movement again, okay? Um, as we are moving to our hexagram number 16, it's called enthusiasm. Uh, another translation calls it harmonizing. And this is thunder on top of the earth because we have an unbroken line that this solid line is changing to. So this is like, uh, you know, something erupting from the ground, like a seedling uh, uh, erupting uh, from the earth and like springing forth with new growth. And it's very enthusiastic and it wants to shoot towards the sun and keep growing. So by, by the release that we experience with shock, with the thunder, um, we may release a new enthusiasm, springing into action, some kind of new growth. So Hillary Barrett says, uh, what do you imagine? What inspires you? How can you use your enthusiasm constructively? Okay, so this time it's time to get moving, you know, right? It's like, okay, you, you've had the wake-up call. You've had the initiation, uh, <laughs> the trial by fire, uh, the, the thunderclap that wakes you up from your nap under the tree to tell you that either a storm is coming or the rain is, is washing away the, the hardship that you've been experiencing for a period of time. And now it's, now it's time to, to uh, snap into action. And you know what? What I found, um, most of the time we are capable of answering the call. I think that this, is, this doesn't talk about a shock that causes everything to fall apart. Uh, there is a hexagram that talks about falling apart and stripping away. This is just kind of like an, an awareness type of thing. And um, yes, the shock may, you know, uh, get rid of some hubris that we might have had, some false ideas. But like the tower card, uh, those the release of those false narratives can be liberating. They can bring us closer to our spirit. They can bring us closer to a, a, an authentic expression of self of the divine, of being able to tap into, um, you know, more of our, our daimon, right? Our daimon that wants good for us eventually. So I think, um, I, I used to be afraid of this hexagram. I think that when you start studying divinatory systems, there's always certain things that uh, you don't want to see, you know, like uh, the tower card, the shock hexagram, the death card, like there's always, there's always this imagery with it. But once you actually start to understand the systems and you under, start to understand that um, they are whole systems and these are just one part of a greater story and a greater narrative, then that brings a great sense of relief because a lot of the times, some of the greatest gifts that we've experienced in our life had to come from moving forward or moving on from something or some event that really like shocked us into a new awareness. I have a, a friend who um, had a really, uh, you know, kind of a really mundane job. And she told this story about uh, somebody hitting her car, like her parked car, and she got some kind of insurance settlement. And that was the, the money that she needed to get out of her like minimum wage job and start doing uh, a job that was much more in alignment with her 
with her sole purpose or with whatever she was doing. And she started making more money with it, but it came through this like unexpected event that at first you'd be like, Oh my God, someone totaled my car, but look at that was the impetus for, for her to move forward into a new chapter chapter in her life. So there may be something of that nature that, that we may experience during Mars's uh, transit through the first decade of Gemini. But as I say, you got this, okay? <laughs> you got this. You can do it. All right. Some of those uh, limitations are just in in our imaginations, and and if we explore all the options, and if we are able to eliminate some of those options, okay. This story of Gemini is an interesting one. This is one one final story here before I move forward, and that is the the story of. Castor and Pollux, right? The, the twins. Those are the twins in the constellation of Gemini. And, you know, they were brothers that, that got into this conflict. Uh, one was a, was a storyteller, the other, uh, and a horseman, the other was a boxer. And they got into this conflict with this other set of brothers, and one of them died. And uh, because of the death of Castor, um, Pollux was kind of forced or forced or chose to give up some of his immortality, some of his time on Mount Olympus so that his brother could live again. Okay. They like kind of alternated. There was some alternating arrangement here. And this really speaks to like the kind of the mission of Gemini is yes, we have this proliferation of options. Yes, we have all these choices in front of us, but some of them are going to live and some of them have to be let go of. And I think what Mars is going to help us do is really getting awareness of what needs to stay and what needs to go. So you, when you choose to put your energy towards something in focus, that naturally will separate us from some of the other paths that we imagine that we could go down. And that can be a little painful at first, but again, that could also lead to us doing that one thing well, rather than all these things, um, you know, half-assed. <laughs> so I think that, uh, you know, sit with the options for a little bit in this first second, figure out what the, the advantages and the disadvantages are, and then start to slowly but surely whittle away at them, releasing what isn't really going to serve you, what doesn't spark your enthusiasm, which doesn't spark joy or that 100% yes, and then start putting your energy towards the, the thing that really lights your flame uh, or lights your heart on fire, right? So, I think that's what I've got for you today. Uh, we will check in again when Mars moves Deccans uh, in in a, a few weeks, and we'll keep keep checking in with the rest of the rest of the planetary movements here and whatnot. I'm very much enjoying all the live streams with you, so keep your eyes peeled for another one around the 13th of March. That's when we have a new moon in Pisces. So we will experience the new moon in Pisces during this. Mars decanic transit. So that will be part of our story too. And I'm sure that we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit at the, at the um, new moon live stream. So that's what I've got for you today. Thank you so much for being here with me. If you are enjoying these videos, hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, leave me a comment. Let me know what you are, uh, what shock came into your life and uh, how did it change your awareness what, what are you struggling with as far as the pl proliferation of options and what process are you going through to be able to let some of them go and what do you want to commit to? Um, if you're enjoying the work that I do too, 
I do have a new way to support me. It's called buy me a coffee. It's sort of like a Patreon or a support thing, but it, much less pressure, much more casual. So if you like these videos and you're finding some value, why not pretend that we're uh, having a conversation in a coffee shop and, and uh, buy me a coffee to show your appreciation. I appreciate all of you who have donated so far and bought me coffees, smoothies, books, uh, whatever other imaginary thing that we want to do with that. Thank you so much for that. What you're really buying me is the gift of time so that I can get into the proper oracular space without the material world interfering so I can bring you these messenger, messages and be a proper translator of the stars for you. So that's what I've got for you today. Be kind to yourself. Be patient. Uh, speak kindly to one another. Um, think about your words before they come out. Um, be kind to yourself and be kind to one another. And I will talk to you soon. Peace.